Welcome to the Shepherding Talk podcast. My name is Aaron Kimple. It's great to have you with us today. I want to share with you a sermon I preached recently on kingdom work. I think that's a concept that trips us up. We we wonder if we're doing enough kingdom work. And sometimes I think we think kingdom work is only a few things when I believe we're probably doing more kingdom work than we realize. There are so many ways we're working in the kingdom every day. I hope this helps. Good morning. Open your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. If I were to preach today saying we need to be about the work of the kingdom, I would imagine that Many of us, including myself, if I heard Reuben or someone else say that we need to be about the work of the kingdom, I would say amen. Stand and sing. No, don't stand and sing. When I say the work of the kingdom, what does that mean? What's included in that? When I say that we're doing the work of the kingdom of heaven, we're following the kingdom of Christ and we're doing that work, what's included in that? One of the things that sometimes we do, maybe this doesn't apply to you, but I think this is true of most people, is that we like to put things in neat little boxes with lids, little packages that work, okay, you belong in there, and you belong in there, okay? Kingdom work is, usually when I say kingdom work, we're thinking I'm holding a Bible study with somebody, which is important. Understand what I'm saying is not minimizing that. Holding a Bible study with somebody who's not a Christian or holding Bible studies with Christians is kingdom work. Uh, Passing out cards and inviting people to to services is kingdom work. Absolutely. And so sometimes it's maybe what we pay Aaron or Reuben or, or Max or someone else to do. That's kingdom work. But what I want us to see are just a few things today from Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 10 is that there are other things included in the work of the kingdom. And I believe that many of us are doing more kingdom work than we think we're doing. Sometimes when we say we need to be about the work of the kingdom, sometimes what happens is somebody who is doing about all they can do feels tired and weighed down with guilt saying, I'm just not doing enough. And what I want to do is to encourage us, there are many ways that we work in the kingdom every day that are all important. And so again, we're just going to focus on a few today from the book of Titus. There's going to be a lot of verses up on the screen, but we'll, uh, as far as your Bibles, we'll have those open to Titus chapter 2. Appreciate your attention, your presence, your commitment to holy things, your commitment to godly things that you're here. I'm so glad and encouraged by you. So the first thing we're going to look at as we think about kingdom work, uh, as we seek to define some things that belong in that, we're going to look at Titus chapter 2 and read verses 1 through 8. I want you to notice the first thing we see is about a, a life that's holy. And although the term quiet is not used here, we're going to see that verse or that word in other passages that we're supposed to live a quiet and a holy, peaceful, godly life. And that's part of kingdom work. And so we're going to look at that and let the Bible uh, define those terms today. As for you, Titus 2 verse 1. You got your Bibles open there? But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. When you hear the term sound doctrine, 
Sometimes, sometimes we're tempted to think what the church does with the money. That's sound doctrine. Sure it is. How the church worships. That's part of sound doctrine. Sure it is. Whether or not we're part of a denomination. Absolutely. Those are things that are teaching sound doctrine. And make sure we're following what the Bible says. But there's other things that are included in sound doctrine. And notice as he says sound doctrine, what he's talking about are relationships and attitudes and people. And how we live in this life on a daily basis is also part of sound doctrine. That's part of kingdom work. So notice what he says. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Verse 2. Look at he talks to these different groups. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, sound in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands. Why? Are you with me there? Verse 5. That the word of God may not be reviled. Is that kingdom work? Sounds like kingdom work to me that we, we want to stand on the word of God. Well, we do that with our relationships, don't we? Verse 6, likewise urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Verse 7, show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. Good works is throughout this book in Titus, the word good, good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, and, um, so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. So notice that Titus... He addresses him directly there at the end of that section and says, Titus, the way you say things is just as important as what you say. Do we see that? So as we understand part of kingdom work is my attitude. Part of kingdom work is my life. Part of kingdom work is how I treat other people. And so as we realize we're, if, if you're living a godly life right now for Jesus, you realize you're doing a work of the kingdom. You are shining as a light to the world. A city that is set on hill that cannot be hidden. I want you to notice that this is sound doctrine. Teach what accords with sound doctrine. Titus 2 and in verse 1. Living a godly life is sound doctrine. So that opponents may be ashamed having nothing evil to say about us. As I think about, and again we have a lot of these cards to pass out. And just, we have a very evangelistic uh, Congregation here, I'm so thankful for that. I talk about that all the time. I'm so encouraged by that. Understand that as I hand this card, the spirit behind me as I hand that card is just as important as me handing you the card. I must be led by the Holy Spirit in the sense of I'm showing the fruits. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Romans chapter 12 is the next verse. It's going to be on the screen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, sometimes it's it's taken out of context to think that everything we do is worship, and so then, therefore, the church can pay for everything. That's not what I mean. That's not what Paul said at all. But what we understand is, the way I live is my worship to God. The way I live is... Is kingdom work. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Something that we say a lot at the end of our worship services as we do our close is reminding us of who we are. We are salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That came from Jesus. As he was talking about his kingdom in Matthew chapter 5, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and what? Okay, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, when I say live a quiet life, I am not meaning, and God's not meaning, live a secluded life. God didn't call us to be recluses. He called us to live in the world. But living a quiet life means how we interact with each other. And we're going to talk more about that. But let your light so shine before others. That means the way I'm living is my preaching. The way you're living is your sermon. And somebody at work sees that. Somebody on your sports team sees that. Somebody, whatever you're doing uh, through the week, sees that. They see what you're doing and they say, wow, you're different. You must be a Christian. You ever had somebody say that to you? Like, man, you must be a Christian. You're just different. You don't talk the way that everyone else talks. You don't think the way everyone else talks. You don't, you don't go to every place that everyone else goes to. You're a different person. You just don't react the same. Well, that's doing kingdom work. And that sets the stage for, hey, do you want to have a Bible study together? And even if you can't do it, I think there's about 40 or 50 people in here who hold that study for you. Amen? Let your light so shine before others. Okay? We continue. So 1 Thessalonians 4, <clears throat> this is one of Anna's favorite verses. That we aspire, it's on the screen here, that we aspire to live quietly and to mind our own affairs... And to work with our hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders. It doesn't say you're secluded and removed from outsiders. We are around the people of the world, but we're living quietly in a sense of how we interact with people. Minding our own affairs. There is a time to be engaged in people's lives. There's a time to snatch people out of the fire. There's a time to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But there's also a time where we have to discern in our minds that maybe I shouldn't be involved in this. You ever struggle with that? Sometimes I got engaged when I shouldn't have been engaged. And sometimes I did the opposite. <laughs> Living a quiet life. I'm going to talk next quarter about boundaries and relationships in one of the back classes. 1 Peter 4, when he talks about Christians are suffering for the cause of Christ, he says, glorify God for that. If you're suffering for Christ and being a called a Christian, glorify God for that. Don't be ashamed of that. But he says, don't suffer this way. And all of these have to do with crossing boundaries. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. I have crossed your boundaries, entered your life, and I've taken your life. You're a thief. Don't suffer as a thief. I've crossed your life, crossed your boundaries, taken what doesn't belong to me. If I'm a meddler, I have crossed into your world and I have expressed my strong opinions and judgments about your life when probably I should have been silent. That's hard sometimes, isn't it? I had someone tell me one time I was preaching, Aaron, you've gone from preaching to meddling. <laughs> <clears throat>
Proverbs chapter 26. I believe living a quiet life, yes, we are engaged. I don't mean we just run away from people. But we have to have wisdom as we live a quiet and holy life. We are demonstrating the spirit of Christ. We know when to get involved in something. And we, win. we also know when to back away. And I'm telling you that sets an example for how we look to the world. Whoever meddles in a quarrel, not his own, is like one who takes a passing dog by the ears. Yeah, just take our German shepherd by the ears. Sometimes, as we live in the world, and I think this is, is growing even worse with, with the advent of social media, we can get drawn into thinking that the world deserves to hear our opinions about everything. Proverbs 18 and verse 2 says, A fool has no delight or no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. If I'm living a holy and a quiet life, that means I have learned what Solomon says. There is a time to speak and a time what? <laughs> to be silent. That's what you should say to the preacher at the end of the sermon. It's time to be silent. Okay. But understand, that's part of living a holy and quiet life. That means if you go back to Titus chapter 2, Look at self-control. Did you see how many times that self-control was mentioned? For the older men, for the, for the younger women, for the younger men, for Titus, how, how they are to be restrained and how we talk. That's part of living a godly, holy life. What does James say about religion? <clears throat> I apologize for my voice, but I sung my little heart out yesterday. At the, we had a singing yesterday. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not what? Is this kingdom work? If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So if I want to do kingdom work, I've got to live that holy, quiet life. And that means I have to learn when to speak, when to be silent, when to intervene, and when not to. I have to learn how to live holy among the world. And there's so many ways we can do that. Again, if you're going to school and you're on a sports team, you're shining as a light to the world. The way you, the way you respond when a referee makes a call that you think is ridiculous. How do you respond to that? That's kingdom work because you're, you're showing yourself to be like Jesus. How about when people pull in front of you in traffic and you want to eat them and their stick family? How we respond to that shows, shows where our heart is. Okay? So we understand the way we... How about, how about this? <clears throat> how do you talk to somebody who serves you at a restaurant or serves you at the store or serves you at the bank? Do you show respect to them? Do you show gratitude to them? How do you treat your teachers and your principals? <laughs> Does that not show something about us? You're different than everyone else. Your light is shining. And so then when I pass that card, there's, there's something behind that. You've seen a quality of a life when I teach you or try to help you understand about Jesus. And so the second thing is in Titus 2 here. We've already looked at it in verse 3 through 5. But I want to go back over this. 
Because sometimes, again, we think, well, I'm, not, I'm just not doing enough for the Lord. Well, what we're going to see here is that if you have a marriage that honors God, you're doing kingdom work. If you're raising children to love Jesus, you're doing kingdom work. And we have to remember that. Verse 3, let's go back over that. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. You see, so Titus was supposed to come down to Crete, and he was supposed to talk to the older women and say, Titus, tell the older women to teach these things. And so that's what I'm doing today. Titus says, train the young women to love their husbands. Does that come naturally? Like, <laughs> Andrew, come on. Come on. Are you with me? Does that come naturally? We just walk down the aisle and it's just la-la land for the rest of the— No. We have to be taught how to love. Amen? Well, here it says older women are to take those younger women aside and to teach them how to do that. That's a great work in the kingdom. I know that's going on here, but we also continue. We need to do more of that, don't we? Older women to teach the younger women how to do these things, okay? How to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home. You know, there's, there's some people that grow up, they don't know how to do anything in the home. Maybe they hadn't, didn't have a mom or grandma to teach them. Well, what could you do? You could show them and say, hey, I'm going to show you how to do these things, honey. All right, so you can show them how to do these things, to be kind, do you ever think that kind is, being, is doing kingdom work? It's interesting that in the middle of husbands and children and, and all this work at home, it says be kind. <laughs> have you ever in your families, and I know you have, gotten lost in the doing and forgot to be kind? I won't ask you to raise your hands, as I know you did. We forgot to be kind. And so as we think about our relationships with each other, again, if I walk into, we had an Exxon Mobil right down the corner, and I've handed several of these out there, but, you know, if I go in there and I'm screaming at the kids and treat them like idiots, oh, hey, can you come to church with me? Does our home life matter? Yes, it does. Our marriages, Ephesians 5, are a picture of Jesus in the church. I want to show you Jesus and the church. Let me show you marriage. So when you're working on your marriage, you're doing the work of the kingdom because, I mean, that's our focus. It should be if you're married. You don't have to be married to be a Christian, but if you're married, that is kingdom work there to, to focus on how to please your wife and how to please your husband. Why? That the word of God, verse 5, may not be reviled. This has... Incredible implications. You may not want to come to worship with me because how you see I behave. Colossians 3. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. See that? Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Children, obey your parents as is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, don't be so harsh on your kids, lest they become what? Is that kingdom work? I've, I've been so crushing and, and hard to please, 
And, and my, the kid's first impression of the Father in heaven is me. Dads, it's you. Your first impression of the, the, the kid's first impression of the Father in heaven is you. Do the kingdom work now to show them the Father in heaven. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's interesting, he says, to the fathers. Doesn't mean mothers don't teach here, but he says, fathers, understand this is your job. Let's get that right, amen? First Timothy 2, he says that women will be saved through childbearing. It doesn't mean that in order to go to heaven, you have to have kids. That's not what that means. But what we see in the context of 1 Timothy 2 is women seem to be coming into the assembly and making it all about other appearances. Maybe how pretty they looked or how smart they were. And he's like, here's something you read. If you really want to focus on something that's important for the kingdom of the heaven, raise godly children. Raise godly children. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world, and that is true. Raise godly children. What is our focus? Malachi chapter 2. In the context of Malachi 2, Malachi the prophet, well, God through Malachi was correcting these men for abandoning their wives and remarrying somebody else. And they were being faithless to their covenant, treacherous to their wives, faithless to God. And in Malachi chapter 2, he says, did not God make them one when they got married? with a portion of the Spirit in their union. And what was the one God seeking? It's in yellow font. What's he seeking? Godly offspring. That's kingdom work. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. Genesis, when God was talking to Abraham, or talking about Abraham, I have chosen him. This is what God knew about Abraham. And this is what God should know about us, what we're going to do. That we're going to command our children and our household after us to keep God's ways by doing righteousness and justice. Let's get that right. Let's get that right. And if you need help with that, we're happy to help each other with that. Psalm 127. It is so easy. It is so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life that our children become a distraction, a diversion. They're holding us back from what we really want to do. And I'm, I'm talking to men and women. Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5 says, Behold, the children are an inconvenience. Children are holding you back. Children are a disappointment. It says children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. God has blessed us with these children. And our part of our kingdom work is to offer them back to him. And so a mom, as I'm preaching for 25 years and Anna's walking back and forth. I'm not helping her. Up in the, I'm up in the pulpit. She's wearing the carpet out with six kids. Think about that. Two to three years per kid. That's about 12 to 18 years. There's a carpet being worn out back and forth, wherever we were. Was she doing kingdom work? 
Sometimes I forgot that. That's kingdom work. You come here, you have a special needs kid, and, and it's, you, it's all you can do to get here, and it's all you can do to just take care of, of what you're doing right now. You're doing kingdom work. And those who help you while you're doing that are doing kingdom work. Understand, all of these things are part of training the next generation to know and follow Jesus. All of these things shine as lights to the world. Think of the message we're sending to our community. Titus chapter 2, the last couple verses that we're going to look at in verse 9 and 10. So we are living a quiet and holy life. We are showing that kingdom work at home by working on our relationships. But we also do this at work. And here's again, sometimes I've heard this over the years, Aaron, you're doing spiritual work and I go to punch a clock and I'm doing secular work. How many of you have converted somebody from work? (laughs) I mean, okay. Were you doing kingdom work? I want you to look with me in Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Bond servants are to be submissive to their masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing. That means you obey the rules and not argumentative. How many of you who are bosses would love to have that? (laughs) Not (laughs) argumentative. Some of your employees are here, but... uh... Not argumentative, not pilfering, okay? But showing all good faith so that in everything what? Notice this, that what? They may adorn the doctrines. We adorned ourselves today. We got our nice clothes on and makeup hair, whatever we did. You know, we got adorned. What are you doing to the doctrine when you go to work and you, you follow the rules? You don't pilfer. It means you don't steal. You don't take away time from the job. You don't take away money. You don't take away resources from the job. You're there and, you're, and you work hard and you're trustworthy and they can set you over things because they know you'll just do it and you, they don't have to babysit you. That's the kind of workers we have in the kingdom of heaven, isn't it? And if you're not that way, then understand you're not adorning the doctrine. And by behaving this way, this is, this is why companies, which I've heard even here, are saying, um, we want to hire more of your people. <laughs> We want some more people from your church to come work with us. Why? Because everybody that comes are just great workers. I remember when we were at Lafayette and and when I was up there as a college student, a lot of us worked at UPS. One of the supervisors wanted to put a flyer up in our our church building when they're hiring. Well, that's what's happening here. But sometimes we don't think I'm doing kingdom work. But when you go and you do a good job, you are working for Jesus Christ. And that shows by the way you work, and people see it, and that provides an opportunity for you to teach somebody about Jesus. We've got to connect all of this, not just put things in boxes. Colossians chapter 3. Bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service. means you don't, you don't just work um, <clears throat> when they're around watching you. As people pleasers, but with sincerity fearing the Lord. For whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. I think Paul was very repetitive in that text, wasn't he? This is about the Lord. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for his wrong that he has done. There's no partiality. Masters, employers, bosses, CEOs, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Knowing that you have a master in heaven. The way we behave 
at home, in the community, at work, is shining as a light. And people see it, just as it's happening right here, right now among us. They see that. And the Father's being glorified because you're doing the kingdom work. And so I hope that that's an encouragement. As we do these things, we're seeking to be firmly rooted in Jesus Christ. If you're not yet in Jesus, it's time. Not because I said so, because Jesus said so. It's time. Now is the day of salvation. You need to come under his shelter, under the shelter of his wings for refuge. Come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have not yet been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, today is the day. Today is the day. If you are struggling in your relationship with Jesus, realizing, you know what, I haven't lived as a light, and I need to get things right today. Do that. Come forward while we stand and sing. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. So glad to have you with us. Have any questions, you can email me at Aaron, that's A-A-R-O-N, at shepherdingtalk.com. Thanks and have a great day.